From the front line. It's not going to work, man. From the tailgates. Representing KGYR and its stakeholders. We are the Forum for the Fan. The Bleed Blue Show. Flying solo. Here's your host, Steve. Yeah, we are the phone for the fans of Blue Blue Show, the Ring Podcast with Ranger Proud uh, season review episode because our team has bowed out in six games to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Your Eastern Conference champions will be facing the uh, Colorado Avalanche starting Wednesday uh, for the Stanley Cup Finals, and I am all in on the Colorado Avalanche. I'm tired of the uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning. But we got to talk about it. Uh, it's going to be a summary level view of how this season went. And I think I can speak for myself that we exceeded expectations further than where I thought we would have gone, uh, especially, you know, going back to last year, the Gorton being let go, Davidson let go, and Chris Drury comes in and makes uh, some blue line changes and bringing in some, reinf- uh, some enforcers to the team. Overall, I think the season has went well. But to be quite honest with you, at the same time, I really wanted to make the Stanley Cup Finals. Now, I didn't think we would beat Colorado, but I thought our I thought we were better than the Eastern Conference Finals. And it's hard to say because Tampa Bay was down uh, Braden Point, probably their best center. Uh, oh, you know, talented center, leading playoff point scorer, and they're and they're pretty much their run. So there's really no excuses for the blue shirts. But let's talk about it. let's talk about the season as a whole. Uh, let's talk about the moves uh, Gerard Gallant made. Uh, let's say, like you know, for instance, Kako sit and out if you agree or disagree with it. And I hate to say, but you know, Shostak to me played. Way, be- I think he outplayed Vasilevsky. To be honest with you, but I, but I think Vasilevsky had a lot more help. We could talk about that. Um, and I, you know, Ranger fans and I got into it over the weekend. Fuck them, some of them fuck them, because yeah, shout out to Scott. And I know Scott probably will not make this episode. If he calls in, I'd be surprised. And you know, he had you know death in the family, right? And he he had this meme. Well, he maybe he may be here. Let him speak for himself. But this Truba shit is really got into the Rangers under the Rangers' skin about um, you know I thought Truba had a, a very good regular season, a hell of a regular season, probably his best regular season, right? He had a solid playoffs. He matter of fact, if it wasn't for him, we probably don't get this far because him knocking out Crosby helped get us back into that Pittsburgh series, right? He did a hell of a job in that Carolina series, but I got to be honest with you, as much as, you know, it's a team effort. Like, everybody could be at fault. You know, you got you positives and negatives. But, man, that game three with the penalties he had, and then also game six, I, I can't let it go because after that Vitrano power play goal, I thought, you know, it gave us a little bit of life. But we cannot ignore him getting dusted by Steven Stamkos to the point it was so bad on that go-ahead goal that – there was enough time for a, a, a recovery and knock it in. That's how bad he got beat on the play. But you know, it's not against. It's not a knock against True, but per se, as far as overall, because he had a hell of a season. But he had a. To me, he had a subpar series. That's just being honest. But let's talk about it, man. We got an hour to knock this out. Ranger proud. He's been man writing articles all over the place. We got uh, Carl with us, uh, Glenn, 
And I think I do see Scott. But RP, let's lead off with you. Say hello to the people. Let's let's get let's get everybody on to say hello first. And of course, RP will say hello to, uh, and, and get you on so we get your thoughts on the season overall, man. What's up, man? Hey guys, how's it going tonight? Oh man. Hey guys, it could, it, it could all it could all be worse. It was a great season. It, whenever you, if you don't win the Stanley Cup and you make it to the playoffs, it's always a disappointing playoff. But let's be realistic. They, you know, being up two nothing, guys. Of course, everyone thought two more wins away it was in the bag. And I've been saying this all weekend, Steve, and you know it. Sometimes you just lose to a better team. And people may not say the Rangers, the Tampa Bay was the better team, but they shut us down for four straight games. And when you do that, you're the better team. It's the reality. When you don't score five on five, except for one Ryan Lindgren goal in games three, four, five, and six, you just don't deserve to win. And your opposition played better. It was a defensive battle, yes, but they played better. They got some of the lucky bounces, and they scored the important goals. The overtime goal, we go with 46 seconds or something left, and a goal with a minute and a half left. So, mm-hmm. you want to know fact. something? After we, after we settled down and got a little drunk and all of that, it, like you said, Steve, Ranger Twitter was really nasty this weekend considering where we were five short years ago, where we are today, and where we're going to be in the future. It's people that sometimes don't look at the whole picture. Everyone just looks at, oh, we blew a 2 nothing lead. Yeah, it sucks. Of course it sucks. No one wants to blow a 2 nothing lead and lose four straight. But it happened, and you kind of know why it happened, and I hope we can build on that. The foundation's there. It's there. They're going to be a solid team. Yeah. Let's get everybody on. Yeah, I yeah I hear you, man. Shout out to RP. Carl, say hello to the people, man. How you doing, man? Hey, pleasant good evening, gentlemen. Good good day to everybody. I know we were expecting better, but uh, you know, unfortunately, it did not work out. And you know, thank goodness I'm not part of uh, the the conversation on Ranger Twitter because I'm thank goodness I I have to I make sure I avoid uh, any of that. But we've got plenty to get into. We've got the fan part of me, and then I have the emotionless. Uh, cold part of me that went into the lab uh, the last two days to see exactly what happened. And, ooh, let's just and say the results were not pretty. Oh, boy. All right, shout-out to Carl. Uh, hey, Glenn, hey, what's up, man? How you doing, man? Yeah, uh, good evening again to everybody. Uh, disappointing ending to uh, just a fantastic season. Uh, when you think back early in the season in October when I got off to that great start, and we were all kind of saying, "Gee, we're can, can this? Can they maintain this? Uh, is uh, is this for real? Are they going to start falling back a little bit and you know fighting for a wild card spot like we we all thought they might be doing uh, in the beginning of the season? Uh, to look back at all the the great games, the memories, how they did maintain that uh, big start, how uh, they didn't lose four straight games until the fourth straight against Tampa." Um, you know, it's a little disappointing. Not quite ready to watch baseball yet, but, uh, hey, they, they gave us a great run. And, and this reminds me of, you know, some of the other teams, the 79 team, the 86 team, that kind of had a run uh, when it was least expected. Uh, and, uh, hey, you, you can't ask for more from this team. So, uh, you know, despite all the Twitter stuff and 
everything else, complaining about uh, Truba and whatever else. There's a lot of guys that you could put on the list in those last three, four games, and I don't think Truba's necessarily at the top of it. So I think that's a lot of nonsense. Uh, he had we'll, he had a solid we'll, season. We'll, he had we'll, a bad we'll, game. We'll get you on. Let's get everybody on. We'll, we'll okay, talk I'm about sorry. it. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, we'll get everybody on. Uh, Scott, what's up? How you doing, man? I, I didn't think you was going to make it, but what's up, man? Hey, yeah, yeah. I literally just walked in the door um, at 9.01 on the nose, so uh, here I am. Um, you know, I mean, yeah, we're all ecstatic about the – you know, exceeding expectations about the way ahead of schedule run. We're, we're, we're thrilled about that. And we're all upset about, you know, the way it went down because they had that 2 nothing lead. Had, it, had they just come out and gotten swept by Tampa, we wouldn't be as upset, I don't think. It's just because they had that 2 nothing lead. But they ran out of gas. And, you know, I, I give them a pass. I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll get to the point where we're pinpointing, you know, mistakes and whatnot. But I give the team a pass, and not because of the – well, I had a schedule thing, but because um, I think RP had said it last week, 20, you know, now it's up to 20, 20 games in 41 days. You know, this was a COVID crunch schedule that, you know, and it's not just the fact that they went seven games in the first two. This is a schedule we've never seen before because it was so crunched together and 20 games in 41 days at a playoff level of all those games is not, not to mention they kicked the thing off in triple overtime. <laughs> You know, so it's basically 21 games in 41 days. Um, you know, it caught up to them. It, it, you know, we've never seen this before. It, you know, we've seen teams go seven rounds, uh, seven games in the first. I think, I think the Kings did it one of the years, I think. Don't quote me on that. But um, And ended up winning the Cup. But, um, you, you know, it's not just the seven games and the seven games. It's, it, it's, it's the COVID crunch schedule. You know, if this was a normal playoff year, they would have had – you know, two days off in there more than once. They would have had at least one every round, if not, you know, twice per round. They would have had two days off, maybe three uh, in between rounds, um, and that caught up to them. And, and the nine days rest, the sweep and the nine days rest of Tampa, it may have worked against them in the first round, uh, the first game, you know, getting the bugs out. But after that, it completely went in their favor. And, you know, we can say that the, that the Rangers, uh, you know, in, in the last four games just stopped playing, but, but, but they, they were just gassed. This, again, this was, a, this was a schedule we've never seen before. It's not going to happen next year. They're just, you know, trying desperately to get the schedule back on, you know, to, to normalcy so they can start the season back to normal next year, um, in which case you would have a couple extra days here and there, which are absolutely vital. So as a whole, I give the team a pass because they're human beings. You know, yeah, they're hockey players, they're warriors, you know, but we don't think of But that's just an obscene amount of games with no rest, and it caught up to them, and they can only do so much, and they just, they just died. Um, and, and for that, yeah. I give them a pass. And it's, it's more disappointing to think of it that way well, because you think, like, if this was a normal season, we don't lose four straight, but it is what it is. And RP, can you follow up with that and add any additional thoughts? What I will do on this episode is like every time somebody speaks or the next person that's following, feel free to piggyback off what they're saying, but also add in your own thoughts so we get get a free flowing dialogue. So RP, if you want to follow up with what Scott said and Glenn said before that, we go right down the line and get get a conversation on the season review. Yeah, I mean, I agree with the fatigue part. Even John Cooper of Tampa Bay and, and his presser afterwards said 
then we gave the Rangers all the credit because 20, it wasn't 20 games in 40 days. It was 20 playoff games. And he, he saw that the Rangers were fatigued afterwards, and he thought that the nine games, the nine-day layoff they had hurt them in game one and two, but then they found a whole bunch of energy that the, he saw the Rangers didn't have, and they knew they were able to grind them down. The flip side to that, defensively, the Rangers played Tampa Bay pretty well. You know, in the last game, giving up that go-ahead goal with 21 seconds after we tied it up really sucked, but, you know, that, that happened, and they, and they couldn't obviously bounce back from it. But from what I saw from, from the playoff standpoint, first I'm just going to address the elephant in the room, and, and you guys all know it. Gallant's decision in game six not to play Kako did not bother me as much as probably every New York Rangers fan that I've spoken to. He had two goals and three assists in, 20, in 19 games. Yes, he was playing well, but this team was not scoring. So if Gallant didn't make a move, they would have said, well, you didn't try to change the lineup, and that's why we lost. He went with what he thought was the best move to make with the lineup. He got Kako. He tried to put Dryden Hunt in, thinking he'd get some fresh legs going, and it didn't work out. My biggest problem was that he played Ryan Strom in that game. A pelvic injury that affected his stomach, his groin, and his hip. He knew he was sore. In warm-ups, he came off the ice, went back to the locker room, came back on, and they decided to insert him into the lineup. To me, that was the problem. If the player is that hurt in an elimination game, I think you should have sat him. Because the players were blowing by him. He wasn't the Ryan Stone. Gallant admitted he wasn't the same Ryan Stone. So that's a decision that I second-guessed on him. And I really haven't second-guessed Gallant for most of the year. So that is something that people want to elaborate on and talk about. I can understand. Sitting Kako, he was breaking up the kid line anyway that game. He went with a hunch, and it didn't, it didn't pan out. I really didn't have a problem with it. I know Rangers Twitter and, and everybody under the sun thought it was the worst move in the world. But based on what Kako had done, he was driving to the net. He was grinding hard, but he was not scoring. You look at what Lafreniere was getting plenty of scoring chances. Tito had a wonderful player. So I, I can understand the moves that, that they made. In essence, in this playoff round, aside from fatigue, they just shut us down. You know, we thought we saw a good four check against the Carolina Hurricanes. And I'm sure Carl has all the numbers and the analytics on, on that series and, and the Penguin series and the Lightning series. Uh, I'm not much into the analytical. I know what the I don't go by what they should be scoring and what they should be giving up. I go by what they did on the ice that they think of the game. And in those last four games, there was no offense. And that goes from Kreider to Zimbanejad to Panarin, who did not have a great playoff at all. These guys who, not to say they didn't give it their all, they just couldn't get the job done. And that's something that fans sometimes can't relate to. That's something people don't like to say. That team was better than our team, or that team shut our boys down. But overall, it was a very successful playoff. You, you want to talk about going into this playoffs, all they talked about was no one had playoff experience. Panarin only had 36 games. This guy only had that. The kids were so young. And now you come out of this 20 games experience, seven games, overtime, battles. I mean, this team is so much stronger and better now than they were when the playoffs started. And I know many of my say, well, that's crazy because they got knocked out. But sometimes you've got to learn from losing how to grow. 
and I truly believe that this team's core is going to be here. Lafreniere is just going to get better. Heedle has shown from when he came to the Rangers to these playoffs what kind of player he can be. You know, and even Gallant said he'd be surprised if players like Kako and Lafreniere aren't top six forwards in the very near future. And, and that's what you're priming for. You know, guys, look at how well Karen Miller played. Look how well Schneider played. He's a kid that wasn't even on the team in December. And he's getting some good minutes, playing with a so-so Justin Braun, and when he played with Nemeth, it was just a shit show. So there's a lot to take out of the positives here, and it's always easy to find the negatives because we lost. But I, I think as a whole, you have to look at what they did as a unit, what they did as a team for those 20 games. I mean, come on, we almost played hockey to fall today. You, you can't beat that. The offseason is going to be so short. September's right around the block, and they're going to be right back at it again. Chesterkin now knows what Henrik Lundqvist feels like for the last 15 seasons he played. Played good enough probably to win every game, at least after the first round. And at the end of the day, just couldn't get it done because the team in front of him wouldn't allow him to make a mistake, which is a tough way to play any hockey game, never mind against the two-time defending champs. So I, I, I'm not as disappointed with the loss because I see all the promise that this team has going forward, and I like the core of this team. They do need to make some decisions. I'm sure we'll talk about that after free agency. They need another defenseman for the, for the third pairing. They need a center desperately. And it is, you know, these are all things that we're going to address probably once the Senate Cup Finals over. Right, right. That's a good point uh, Scott made, and you made, RP. We go to Carl, but uh, I think there's one thing you could take from this playoff run, and they need, well, they did a lot of comeback from behind wins and even trailing the series, and, they, and I think that goes into part what Scott said. That's why they probably, they did look tired, not to make excuses, but that's a lot of games and a lot of, uh, yeah. you know, a lot of that, no overcome. You got to see Tampa Bay, they finished off Florida in four. Right? They had a seven-game series versus the Maple Leafs, and they had their rest. Mm-hmm. And even, though, even if they came out flat in that game number one, man, they, they found a way to turn it on. Let's go to Carl. Carl, you heard RP's thoughts, and, he, you know, you were in the lab. Feel free to uh, shout it out. And, and, and then we'll go to Glenn and get his thoughts from whatever you said in RP said. Yeah, no question. I, I wanted to follow up on something RP just mentioned, and that was in terms of, um, in terms of the rest, you know, I, I found it very um, un, unsettling, I guess is probably the best word I can use for, for lack of a different word I want to use, that there seemed to be like a, a moving of the goalpost on that during the postseason. There would be fans, even I watched, you know, the MSG pregame and postgame, and, you know, this question would come up about, you know, the condensed amount of games and the, uh, and the amount of days that they've been playing. And by some people, it was just sort of poo-pooed as if, oh, that doesn't really matter. You know, they're well-conditioned athletes and all this. I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, nobody else does this. You know, mm-hmm. I was looking back at my history, and I was like, wait a second. Because uh, finally the fact came out after the game Saturday night, and I had to make sure to, and I went back a little bit further. You know, only two teams in the last, I think it's the last 30 years. You probably go further than that. It's only really two in the last 30, but we could probably find out if there's more, that have played 14 playoff games in the first two rounds of the, of the playoffs and then played and then advanced to the next round. The only two teams to do it right. were the 14 Rangers and the 14 LA Kings who played three seven-game series to get to the final. Did that beat the Rangers in that final? Nobody else has done this. So when I, t- yeah. 
So I, when, as this was playing out and the amount of games were accumulating and folks were just sort of just saying, ah, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. I'm like, wait a second. The history of the league suggests otherwise. So this in, cannot be a – there's going to be diminishing returns at some point. And as Cooper mentioned uh-huh. and as uh, Gallant mentioned after the game when the question was then posed, finally, hey, was fatigue a factor? And when both coaches said yes, that confirmed what I thought I was seeing on the ice myself over the last number of games, that even though Tampa Bay in the first game may not have had their legs up, they, had, they deserved a better fate in that game as I looked at the data. But as the series progressed, starting from about the latter part of the second period in game two on, the, the, the series was really, a, a to me, a, a complete wipeout. So mm-hmm. that's something that I just keep wondering, like, were, were the goalposts being moved by the fans on purpose? Because it, was, it went from, um, we just lost one game, that was game three, blown out game four, oh, we're coming home for game five. They lose game five, then it's, oh, uh, we, we're, we're good when we're, you know, facing elimination. Now all of a sudden, season's over. Like, that, the, the goalpost kept moving, which I just found just very, very odd. But, so I went into the lab, because I wanted to see if my eyes were telling me what I thought I was seeing. And I looked at the data on it, and boy, it was, it was rough. Um, scoring chances. I use the three metrics: scoring chances, high danger, and expected goals. You, those three can pretty much tell me about eighty for eighty-five percent of all NHL games. For the series, Tampa was one eighty to one sixteen in terms of chances. High danger, eighty-eight to forty-two. And when I looked at the last four games, plus I'm using that third period of the second game because that's kind of really where it started. Tampa, in terms of high danger, had 64 chances, and the Rangers had 22 for four-plus mm-hmm. games. And 126 to 73 over four-plus games. You give a team like Tampa 50 more chances and 40 more just grade-A quality chances. Of It was a miracle the series didn't end shorter than it did. You know, That's it was right. a miracle that at, that, at, at the point that the series was, that the Rangers were still in the series. I you, you give any team that amount of, uh, of leeway uh, against you, and you're going to have diminishing returns. And unfortunately, you know, it was, was it 88 out of 180. That's basically one out of every two Tampa shots for the series was high danger. Mm-hmm. You can't survive that over any that, – that's, that's why I remember last year we were talking about the idea of win and steal. The Rangers – had the Rangers won this series, they would have stolen this series. Like – you can't play like this. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, going forward, and I, I'll probably pose it in the next round when we go back and forth, because I keep wondering now. Progression is not linear. Like, we're not taking all the same guys and just go under the assumption that all of them are just going to rise next season, just learning from the experience and then just playing better because. Like, that's the history of the league suggests otherwise. There have been too many teams now over the last, just using the last five years of data that have had sort of these kind of runs where they get to the conference final or even get to the cup final, and you're thinking, oh, maybe there's a future there, and it doesn't seem to happen. Whether it be the Islanders, we just saw that. You know, they're back in the oblivion right now. You know, down here, my local team, the Dallas Stars, had a nice kind of upward progression. They even made the final two years ago, and they haven't done much since. You know, Winnipeg was supposed to be on that same sort of trajectory. Didn't happen that way. Nashville got close. Never got back even close to it ever since. And so there is this fear 
especially with the ages of some of these guys, whether it be Kreider at 31, Panarin at 31, Sabanajan at 29, reaching that sort of kind of demarcation line with, with the age in players in the NHL where diminishing returns begin right around that period of time. And you just sort of say, wait a second, between those guys and the young guys, there's going to have to be a transition at some point. When does that happen? And the other thing, too, and I'll toss over to you guys, is the model that the Rangers are trying to play sustainable? What I mean by that is this. Igor had probably one of the three or four greatest goaltending seasons of all time this season, and the power play converted at a, at a very extremely high rate. If I just reduce that conversion rate and that save rate by, let's just say, I don't know, 12%, 12 to 15% next season, are the results of the season different? Because there is a very, very high probability, and I'm willing to probably bet money on it right now, that there's going to be somewhat of a, a slight market correction on that next season. Like, they're not going to have all-time great years two years in a row. And if that comes about with the five-on-five issues that exist right now, where, wh- where does that sort of leave us? Because I think the Rangers have to figure out a way to become a much more sustainable team and not sort of have a, an over-reliance on, on Igor to basically just bail them out as this series showed, as the previous series were showing against Pittsburgh, and just sort of just crossing your fingers and just hoping for the best. That's a very dangerous game to play. All right, cool. Glenn, you want to follow up on that? Uh, go to uh, uh, from Carl, and then go to uh, Scott, and then get back to RP. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think uh, Carl's statistics pretty much confirmed what I thought I saw, you know, with my own eyes. Um, <clears throat> you know, the uh, you can the disappointment in this with Tampa is that the Rangers were up two games to none. They were up two nothing in Game Three, and my feeling all along with that was. Boy, I I hope they can end this series before Tampa gets their legs under them or before Tampa wakes up because, uh, you know, we've seen the kind of team that Tampa is the last couple of years. And, um, you know, I was really hoping they could sneak out that game three and go up 3 nothing because that would have been tough for Tampa to do. Obviously, it wouldn't have because they won four straight anyway. But, you know, you look at the games uh, that – uh, say games, the end of game two, three, four, and five and six. I mean, the Rangers were in those games. You look at the scores, and you could convince yourself that, geez, you know, a bounce here, a bounce there, and you know, we were in these games. They're all one-goal games. But after each one, uh, could you really say that? Um, you know, most of them, uh, like Carl said, Tampa was just getting the overwhelmingly higher amount of, of high danger chances. Um, you could see the, the fatigue that was starting to occur with the Rangers from playing all of these games. You, you really could see the tide turning, and it was almost a case more where the Rangers were lucky that these games were one-goal games uh, with Igor keep, keeping them in them rather than they, they were really in it. And, um, you know, they had a chance to to really uh, uh, put the hammer down if they could have held on in game three. Um, but the thing that I thought I, I noticed in, in most of these games is that uh, besides Tampa's four check uh, and 
you know, keeping the puck in the Ranger zone for long periods of time. Um, but also on the rush, uh, there were there seemed to be so many plays. I mean, Palak's winning goal uh, late in Game Three, the Stamkos goal, a uh, number of others where guys were just getting behind the defense. They they were getting between the defense and Igor, and I thought I just there was too much of that, and that concerns me a little bit going forward too. Um, that uh, you know they're really going to have to. Uh, you know, tighten up on defense and, and, and eliminate those mistakes. Now, was fatigue part of that? Maybe. Uh, but uh, I thought I just noticed a little bit too much of that. And the Rangers, you know, ultimately fell to a team um, that was uh, more experienced, more well-rested, uh, didn't, you know, panic in, in late moments of, of close games. Uh, were they the better team? Statistically, yes. Um, they also didn't have points, which, you know, you, you kind of say, well, if they had him, uh, you know, it might have been even worse. But, uh, you know, ultimately they were just beaten by, uh, you know, a, a better, more experienced, uh, well-rested team. And, um, you know, that's, you know, I mean, that's you can't be disappointed in that. They gave us a great ride. We thought... They might have had a little, I thought at least, might have had a little pixie dust going after they won games uh, six and seven with Carolina. That, you know, maybe this was a team of destiny, but, uh, you know, reality kind of struck us in the face. And, uh, you know, now we have to look and see uh, what Drury's going to do over the summer because there's, I think he's got, you know, quite a bit of work to do to figure out who stays, who goes. Um, you know, guys like Hoffman and Cully. Um, there's a lot of work to be done. This team's going to look a lot different uh, come September. So, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see what goes from there. It'll be interesting over the summer. But, you know, can't complain. They gave us a great season, and they tried as hard as they could. All right, let's go to Scott. Uh, Scott, I hope you and Patrick be easy on our Rangers, man, when next time you guys talk about this, man. <laughs> but you heard Charles' <laughs> thoughts, and Rangers are proud, man. Your, your thoughts, man. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, I wanted to get back to, to what RP said about the, the, the controversial CACO um, decision, and I agree with him. Um, I, you know, whether or not there was something else there uh, as to why, because there's all sorts of rumors, and, you know, we don't need to give rumors any life, but we just, you know, I, I'm sure you guys have read it too, but perhaps something happened between the two. That being said, let's just assume that none of that is true and it didn't happen. I don't, I don't disagree with the decision because something had to change. You know, they were doing the same thing for three games. It wasn't working, even when they went back to New York, because well, maybe when, you know, after the two games in, in, in Tampa, we thought maybe it was like a Carolina situation where they were just really using that last change in that matchup to, to just dominate. We thought, okay, let's, we'll go back to game five. We'll get our, you know, last change and, and the home ice back. But again, it didn't work. So three straight games, well, now we're on the blink of a blip, a brink of oblivion. Um, I have no problem with him making a change. I mean, you know, Tackle, those, those three have been fantastic, but, it, you know, again, as you said, you know, they broke them up anyway in Tampa to try and inject some, um, you, know, you, you know, some energy and some life into the other, uh, uh, you know, into all the lines. So, and of those three, Tackle, yes, he was doing things, you know, behind the scenes that wasn't, wouldn't register on the score sheet anyway, but at, at the end of the day, we, we just, we need goals, period. Um, 
And so I have no problem with, with that decision. Um, you know, it was one game. You know, it, it's you know, it's not like Froggy benched Panarin or Kreider or Zibanejad. Um, You know, he, I, he, you know, people are. I actually heard somebody compare this to uh, in 2013 uh, when they were they were down three nothing to uh, to Boston in the second round, and uh, Tortorella benched um, uh, Brad Richards for Game Four. And you know, Tortorella had a habit of you know benching stars. Um, you know, if they weren't you know, if they were dragging ass. So he benched him for game four. The Rangers win game four in overtime. He benched him again for game five. Okay, and that's a problem. Like, you know, game four, so be it. You know, you made your point. You know, <laughs> you made your point, lesson learned. Now you're benching our comp smite. Well, not our comp smite, but you're benching a comp smite, um, you know, winning, you know, playoff expert uh, for two games. You know, people are trying to compare it to that. I'm like, stop. I'm like, that's not even a fair comparison. But I... I do realize why they were making that comparison. Um, uh, so yeah, I don't have a problem with uh, with, with the Caco benching. Um, hopefully, it's not something you know rumor based that might result in him getting traded or whatnot. Um, and we were talking about that too. I was talking about it with some people. I don't I, like he's only twenty one. Um, you know, it, we're not putting him in the bust category by any means. You, you, you know, he's still got two more years to prove that. Um, however, I wouldn't be opposed to a trade there. I think, you know, Hedl has emerged. You know, I don't want him going anywhere. Lafreniere, we, we know what we're going to get with him, so he's not going anywhere. Um, I, I don't want to see Kako traded, but I wouldn't be opposed if it meant maybe locking down that legit number two center that we so desperately need. And I also agree with that other point that, you know, we give these guys so much credit about the playing injured part, the whole, you know, they're hockey players, et cetera, et cetera. But that being said, if you're <laughs> – whatever injury you're playing through becomes a detriment to the team, then you're not being a hero. And, you know, you're killing the team. You know, if it's affecting your play – and I'm not talking about, you know, missing wide open nets. That's something different um, because you, you can literally, literally be standing still to, to make that play in game five. It does, you know, I don't think the mm-hmm. pelvis in the stomach was an issue there. Um, I think that was just like, you know, come on. But he was dragging that. He clearly was not the same player he was because, you know, all, you know, lack of points and lack of winning face-off society, like he was a good, legit second-line center, um, you know, in terms of playmaking and whatnot. You know, and I use the same comparison that I did with Kako. He's, you know, doing things that, you know, might often result in goals that, um, you know, he might not get credit for on the score sheet. So I didn't hate Strom. Uh, I knew we could do, hopefully, do better for a second-line center uh, than him, but I didn't hate him. But, um, yeah, so I don't know if that's on him for not, you know, for, for, for telling Gallant, like, I'm fine, I can go, and, 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 and hiding just how bad it was, or if that's on Gallant for knowing and putting him in anyway. We don't know. We'll probably never know. That being said, you know, he was definitely a detriment to the team. Uh, you know, whether or not, maybe it's because of the injury, maybe not. But, you know, maybe he was just gassed like everyone else. I don't know. Um, but, uh, you know, when you come out with that afterwards, it doesn't make me have respect for the guy that he's played through that. It makes me think he, maybe he shouldn't have been there. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so just a couple things I agree with. And it's going to be a very, very interesting uh, off season as far as uh, who we resign. I saw like an hour ago, uh, 
Petrano and Kopp both came out and said, uh, they've pretty much said the exact same thing. We, we, we have, quote unquote, we have unfinished business in New York. Now that's a good sign, but that being said, when free agency starts and they offer star porn and it doesn't mean shit, um, you know, hopefully they developed a good rapport with the guys here. Hopefully they like what they saw as far as the future of the team. You know, you got a badass goalie to ride on in the team that's just only going to get better. They, you know, they got a taste to play off. Hockey at the Garden, which, as we talked about, um, you know, a few uh, a few weeks ago, is you know more resembling what we know and what we used to know as playoff hockey at the Garden than it has been in the last few or the last time we were in the playoffs. So that's a good thing. Um, you know, maybe I'm sure they probably want to stay in New York. That being said, the offers are going to start pouring in from teams with a lot more cap space than we do, and we'll just have to see what happens. Um, so yeah, that was uh, that was my uh, that was my segment. Yeah, shout out to Scott. I, I agree with you, Scott, and and on call uh, about we we got outplayed, but we had chances. I felt some of that same way in the Carolina series as well. That when Strom missed that wide open net, man. I mean, the opportunities, injury or not, you have got to put things away when you had the chance, man. Um, and it, this is where I go back to RP, uh, but I was, I'll say this. It, it was frustrating because it, human, from a human aspect, they did play a lot of games. But there is clearly after – I mean, we were up to nothing. And then once Kucherov started to get a little bit loose in game number three, they never really looked back. They, the pressure was pretty much on from the Lightning standpoint, and their forecheck was excellent. It was quality because they also had guys back to behind the blue line, meaning in the uh, Rangers' offensive zone, waiting and ready to just take away anything, uh, just coming through the zone. It was just frustrating to watch all together. It was just sloppy. The five on fives was just. You know what I mean, saving grace pretty much was the goalie and the also the uh, uh, the power play. And that's basically it. It was nothing. We were getting nothing else out of that. So after that Vitrano goal, I was like, man. We, I, I thought it was going to be one of those things like we saw in uh, Pittsburgh and Carolina. Oh, man, we got this power play goal, and, man, maybe we could steal this. But 20 seconds later, and Kucherov, uh, and, you know, after the, part, the puck went, they, and, and it ended up with Kucherov in the uh, neutral zone. And Keanu Miller was on his man. But, man, when he, I mean, Truba, as much, as much of a war hero he was, man, he got beat bad, man. I mean, whew, I mean, got, give him credit for a, a strong regular season, but man, that I wish we could have that one back, man. RP, especially twenty seconds after that Vitrano goal. But RP, uh, let's, let's, there's other stuff we got to talk about as well, and there's also any additional thoughts because uh, the Vitali Kratsov uh, coming back to the Rangers as well. If you want to talk about that, what are your thoughts on that? How that plays into the roster going forward? And then anything else you'd like to say? And then go to Carl, Glenn, and Scott. So we can round up and get extended final thoughts after you speak and try to get more time with the next 20, 25 minutes. Yeah, the, uh, you know, back to what Carl was saying about transitioning from some of the older players. That's what I think Galan alluded to today or yesterday and breakup day when he said he expected, you know, Lafreniere and Kako to be top six players and, of course, Heedle. And I think that transition has to happen this coming season. Uh, Lafreniere showed that he's a very energized player. He's that grinding kind of player he built for the playoffs, I, I think. Um, Heedle definitely showed what he can do. And we know Kako may not be that goal scorer everyone thought, but he can be a, a, a solid winger player on the top two lines. 
and somehow, somewhere, Gallant's going to have to get them up there without disrupting the entire team, which is going to be a tough test to do. And, you know, or you're going to have to just play the third line more minutes and cut back on the first and second line a little bit to get them more ice time, which is something they didn't have in the playoffs. I think the last full game that we played together, they only had like 11 minutes of ice time, which isn't nearly enough to get anything going. So it's a tough balancing act that he's going to have to figure out. But, you know, that's why he's the head coach. And if he wants to get the most out of his team, as the head coach, you have to put the players in the right position to be successful. I always say that. And and that means you have to move other guys around to get your, your younger, better players in for more minutes, and that's what you have to do. Um, the Vitaly Kraftstoff signing was – that signing is interesting. I, I know Drury is, is trying to make amends with him to get him back here. I, I don't know how the team as a unit feels the way he quit for a second time and refused to report to camp. Um, him signing a one-way contract was a little misprint. The one-way contract means he can still be sent down, but he'll still make the NHL salary. It doesn't mean he can't be sent down. He's not locked into a roster spot. A lot of people are saying, how can you give him a one-year, one-way contract? It doesn't mean he can't be sent down to the minors. It just means he doesn't get a minor salary. He keeps his NHL salary. So everyone has to keep that in a frame of mind and see if he can make the team or not. He didn't explode in the KHL. He wasn't this nonstop scoring machine <coughs> Excuse me, in, in the KHL. So he's got to earn his spot on the team in the Still now, there aren't a lot of spots open. So they just have to see how that plays out. Uh, first and foremost, now that the regular season and the playoffs have concluded, guys, they have to address their free, their unrestricted free agents. And the number one player they have to address is what are they going to do with Ryan Strom? Because it's hard to sign anybody else until you sign Strom or decide we're going to let Strom walk. Uh, their salary cap is really tight next season. They have some big contracts. Fox's contract kicks in. Panama's making $11 million. There's some big numbers, and it's not going to be as flexible as many think. It's going to be hard for them to sign a free agent center because there aren't that many good, available, young free agent centers. So if they want to get a good quality center into this lineup, they're going to have to trade a roster player, if not two. Who that will be, you'll get as good as mine. You're going to hear probably hear Kako's name, not because he was benched, because Gallant came out and said straight out he was looking for a way to win, and that was the decision he and the coaching staff made. But if you look at the top six forwards that you can trade, there aren't that many that's going to go. You're not going to give up on Lafreniere. You're not going to give up on Giedel. Panarin's and Bonajar Kreider are going to stay. Strom, let's say Panarin is going to walk. If you're going to make a trade, it's going to be probably Kako. Now, do other teams or are other teams willing to trade a top two, top three center for a Kako is for another conversation. But trade-wise, you know, you can only improve your lineup by trading someone from your lineup. You're not going to get a number two center by trading, you know, Offman or some of these other guys in the minors. So I, I think that makes it a lot more difficult. The salary makes it a lot more difficult. But they do need to address... The same things that we've been saying all season. They need a quality center. They need another defenseman. They have five good defensemen. You could bring Jones up and let Jones play with Schneider, or you could break up your defensive pairings. 
was as good as they are, we didn't win the cup, right? So is it that bad if you break up Fox and Lindgren? Maybe. Is it that bad if you break up Keandre Miller and Truba? I think they could get away with that. So you, you might want to mix those guys up, but you also want to remember playing minutes. If you break up Lindgren and Fox, you still have to give them those playing minutes they're getting now as a unit. So by just moving the top four players around, I don't know how much of an improvement that'll be. So the offseason is going to have a lot of its challenges. Um, I know uh, a, a cop had said he told his agents to kick the rocks around and, and see what's available out there. Of course, he wants to stay with the Rangers. What else would he stay at this point? And the same thing for Petrano and the same thing for Strom. They all want to stay, but like we all said, once July 13th comes and all these big contracts and numbers get offered at them and they don't have to go back to the Rangers if they don't want to, so if they don't resign these guys to decide what they want to do with these guys and the free agency period starts, they're going to see what's out there and they're probably going to get some good money for for their services. So the Rangers may have some free space up. They may not. It, it all depends what they want to do and what direction they're leaning towards. I think Kraftstuff might be another trade date. I think they sign them and if they want to put him in at a trade and move him since there's been so much animosity with the player, that might be another uh, feasible opportunity for them. I don't know where he fits on this team. Who, what, to trade for? No, no, no. I said cool, cool. I get what you're saying. No, I get exactly what you're saying. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's a a tough thing that they're going to have to balance here, and they don't have a lot of time, like Scott was saying. It was a condensed COVID schedule last year, and now because of that, the offseason gets really tight. You know, July 13th is free agency, and five weeks later, you're in training camp. But there's not a lot of time to do all this work they have to do, so we're just going to have to wait. And let me just say, Scott, my condolences to your loss. I understand you had a family loss, so uh, I'm sorry to hear that. I hope everything works out well with the family. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's very kind. Thank you. All right, cool. Let's get extended final thoughts, man. Carl, uh, your final thoughts. Um, season overall, uh, then uh, how you expect this going to play in the all season when we get into uh, after the Stanley Cup Finals? Matter of fact, and also a prediction between Avalanche and Lightning, if you have any, and we'll go right down the line. Shout-out to everybody. Let's go to Carl for extended final thoughts. Yeah. So as we say goodbye, you know, it's this. I remember, I remember back in early October, I remember this, the term I used was the chase for 100, and the idea behind that was, when I saw it at the Rangers, where I think in the in the sports book at 97 and a half in terms of points, um, which would have them in the wild card if they would have gotten that number. I said, okay, if the Rangers can get to 100 points, they would safely make the playoffs, and they did more than that. So from that standpoint, you know, the season was successful. It was then validated by the Pittsburgh series, even more so by the Carolina series, but then the disappointment um, that came on Saturday night. My only fear on that is that, you know, it's so hard to get back there. You know, they showed they showed Kreider after the game basically in tears. And I thought to myself, like, Kreider was 24 years old the last time he played in the Eastern Conference Final, and he's 31 today. Those opportunities don't come as often as you might think. And, you know, just sort of just, you know, next season is going to have a, a whole different set of expectations. You know, Rangers start on October, whatever the day is, you know, uh, coming up here. You know, they're no longer going to be looked at as the little engine that could. You know, there's not going to be 
the surprise anymore. You know, the Rangers are going to be playing. When they play at the Garden, you know, there's going to be an expectation of this team to be successful, not, ooh, just give us a good product. i got to get to that later on, by the way. Um, but, you know, there's, if the Rangers are not successful during the season, there's going to be more scrutiny. And how does the team play with that expectation and that burden that is now going to come about because the fans have seen what the team is potentially capable of. And some teams rise with that, and there are some teams that sort of, you know, are not able to, to, to play under that sort of pressure. So it's something to be, to be wondering about going into the season. Just hopefully the Rangers are on the good side of that. As far as I'm thinking about this, you know, the coach, in, in his previous three stops, He's lasted no more than about two and a quarter years in each of the two, three places he's been in. There's diminishing returns with him. And I think we, that's going to start coming into focus, I think, next season. You know, I don't know if there was a disciplinary issue with him and Kako. That's what I believe, by the way, um, in terms of why he was benched. But you know, if there are other issues with other players that will, you know, the players will buy in for one year. But after a while, you you begin to wonder if the message will get stale, and I, and his history suggests that that's what the case is. You know, you don't get fired three different times at, in the middle of your third year without some issue going on consistently. And in all three stops, that's happened. So that's something also to to be aware of. And just one last thing here on the Rangers. You know, this is year number thing. It's what the seventeenth year since the, uh, the the canceled season of what two thousand five. You know, this, I consider this to be sort of like one whole run. And the one thing I always give the Rangers credit for more than any other team outside of the Yankees is that the Rangers always give you a, a quality product, win or lose. You know, very few times do I feel like the Rangers have ever cheated me when I've watched them. Other teams have. I won't get into the specifics of which ones they are. But the Rangers on a, on a yearly almost night-to-night consistent basis since the start of the 2005 season when they came back from the canceled season, have always been able to give everyone who's watched a reasonable quality product to watch just about every night. And you can't ask for more. You know, sometimes they're going to win, sometimes they're going to lose. But you know what? Each and every night I can at least be on, in front of the television set and say, you know what? I got my money's worth. And the Rangers have been providing that and hopefully the future is bright, but you know nothing is ever uh, nothing is ever guaranteed in the hockey world, and especially now in the salary cap era, where runs can 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 close in an instant. Right about that, you have a Stanley Cup uh, uh, winner. I have, you know, I saw the the the, the number in, in in the book, and Colorado is favorite, and I do think Colorado has. I mean, they've been the betting favorite all year. And, um, but I, I, Tampa Bay, I gained so much respect for them watching them as this, this past series. It's going to take a hell of a lot of, uh, of style for Colorado to knock them out. And you know what? I'm going to take Tampa Bay. I don't think they're going to win it, but you know what? To, to see a three-peat in the salary cap era of hockey, which is damn near impossible. It's damn near impossible to win both back-to-back. But for what they do, for how they've been doing it, they've been on this run now for about 10 years. They got so lucky. You know, they missed it a couple of times. They couldn't get over the hump. 
and they finally broke through all these years later, and now to see this is just amazing. You probably, if they win it this year, you're probably never going to see this again in the salary cap area. You're never going to see it. And so you know what? Let them play it out, and, uh, you know, good luck to them coming up uh, tomorrow night. I wish I was, I was heading to Denver on Saturday, uh, this weekend anyway, and unfortunately the Rangers are not coming with me. That's, that's the one part that disappointed me. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know, right? Shout out to Carl, man, at the C Notes on Twitter. Uh, thank you very much, man, and thank you for your thoughts and contributions here on the Ring Podcast with Ranger Proud, man. Uh, Glenn, uh, your final thoughts, man, your extended final thoughts, and, of course, uh, your Stanley Cup prediction, and then we'll go to Scott. Yeah, uh, with, with regard to what Carl was talking about, about uh, diminishing returns, um, <clears throat> that makes this a, a real critical offseason for, for Drury. Uh, the window is open. The, the window is clearly open. And, um, you know, you look at, uh, you know, some of the, uh, you know, like, like we just talked about Tampa. Uh, they started knocking on the door in 2015 when they uh, beat the Rangers in the uh, Eastern Conference Final. And they had to endure, you know, they lost in the finals. They missed the playoffs one year. They were swept, uh, surprisingly, by Columbus one year. Uh, They were knocking on the door for five years before they they got over the hump. Uh, And even you look back at some of the, the old dynasties, you know, the Islander dynasty, Hey, they lost in 78 to Toronto and in 79 to the Rangers before they got over the hump. Uh, so just because you get there doesn't mean that next year is going to be even better. Uh, can, can Igor replicate the year he had this year? Probably not. Uh, can Kreider score another 52 goals next year? Probably not. So there's going to have to be some improvement from within, but there's also going to have to be some imports that come in that fill some of the holes. Um, obviously, the Strom uh, situation is something that needs to be resolved. For me, Filipino had a great playoff, but it's such a small sample size, I'm still not convinced. i got to see more before I would say uh, I'm comfortable with him, moving him up to the, the second center spot. Uh, now, if that happens, then you got him – still back on the third line and how do you configure uh you know if cop uh, if caco stays uh what do you do with lafreniere uh i mean i like frankie vetrano but not on the first line i prefer him on the second or even the third line um you know what happens with cop uh sammy blay is coming back which i think is a guy that that they really missed that they really could have used um, so hopefully they'll be able to find a way to keep him. Um, and, you know, I, I, I remember saying early in the season that the Rangers almost have too many guys for, for the roster spots that they can fill. Uh, and now with guys like Vetrano and Comp and Tyler Mott here who performed well, they've even got more too many guys. Uh, so it's going to be very interesting to see who stays, who goes, uh, and who are the proper uh, imports that they need to bring in? See, I, I think they need a guy. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm going to go on the high end, but these guys are not available. Like uh, uh, Matthew or Brady Kachuk, or, or, or dare I say Tom Wilson. A, a guy like that who's got size, who hits, who can get in those dirty areas, who can get in front of the net, 
much like Kreider did this year, but we saw Tampa pretty much negate Kreider uh, in this series uh, in the front of the net. I think they need a, a, a – I, I think Tampa, besides the fact that the Rangers were tired, Tampa's a big team. they got a lot of big guys, and I'm not sure the Rangers uh, can – can match that. They've got a ton of talent, um, but I think they need more size. And um, and it'll be interesting to see uh, who uh, Drury can bring in, or you know, if a guy like Will Cully we've heard is a uh, you know a real physical player, uh, Matthew Robertson for for defense uh, is a big guy. Um, so I think this is a real critical year because when you look at teams like Tampa, it took them five years to win the cup once they started knocking on the door. Well, we can't wait for Zabanajad and Panera and Kreider to be three, four, five years older to win the cup. The, the, the window is open now. And um, I think it's going to be really, uh, uh, you know, up to Drury to, to take advantage of that and, and avoid – having there be, uh, you know, a little bit of a, a step backwards next year. Um, and, and I've thought that what Carl brought up as far as Gallant as well. Um, his shelf life is like, you know, two and a half years. Uh, so, uh, you know, if we wait too long, is he even going to be here for that? Um, so this, uh, I'm really looking forward to this summer and September to see how this team is constructed because there, there are obviously some needs, some holes that need to be filled. And uh, there are so many different ways that Drury can go uh, that I think it's going to be real, real interesting to see what he does. And I'm sure we'll be talking about that over the summer. Uh, as far as my cup finals go, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm really worried about Colorado's goaltending. Um, and if point comes back, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, we saw with, with how Tampa was able to shut down the Rangers with the fatigue factor, obviously. But they also shut down the highest-scoring team in the league in Florida. And I watched some of those Colorado-Edmonton games. Those games were just at a, a different speed than, than the, uh, the Tampa Ranger games. And um, I think that Tampa – can slow them down. I think Tampa can control the neutral zone, and they have such superior goaltending to whoever is, is going to be in that for uh, for Colorado. Uh, I'll be rooting for Colorado because, personally, I never root for the team that knocks us out. I want their fans to feel what we felt. Uh, but I, I think Tampa's going to do it. I, I really do. Uh, I think it's going to be a long series. I think it's going to be a great series. Uh, but in the end, I think goaltending and uh, – uh, the defensive structure of uh, Tampa is is going to be what uh, w- what's the deciding factor. So I'm thinking Tampa's going to win. Thank you, Glenn. Appreciate that, man. Shout out to Glenn. Uh, Scott, we're almost out of time, but if you could give us your final thoughts and then go to uh, Ranger Pride after that. Yeah, I think everybody um, made a good point about uh, nothing's guaranteed. And yes, we keep hearing or keep saying we keep saying they're only going to get better, which is true. Uh, as, as these younger guys mature. I think, uh, I think you'll see Zach Jones next year. He played a few games with Braden Schneider, and the two of them looked incredible as a pair uh, in those few games they were together. Both 20-year-old rookies, both, uh, you know, and, and played together even phenomenally as a pair 
um, coincidentally, and I'm going to assume that they sent Zach Jones down because they didn't want to ruin uh, both of their rookie statuses uh, at the same time. That's my personal opinion. Um, and also, they didn't want to have a pair of uh, two 20-year-olds as well as they were playing together. Um, you know, on the same pair, you know, heading into the playoffs. So I, I'm, per, per, you know, I accept both of those excuse re- reasons uh, if they are legit. Uh, so for, but I really like what I saw out of Zach Jones, and I think he will make the team next year, and that's number six, uh, with Justin Braun being then a capable, uh, you know, seventh man. Hopefully they can do something with, I don't know, who would possibly be interested in Demons. But, uh, you know, that would be fantastic to uh, be able to get him off the roster. would be nice. But um, the Kravtsov situation is going to be very interesting. I mean, I want nothing more than, than for this to work out. I love what I saw out of him. Like, he reminds me of a, of a kid, Panarin, uh, just the way he handles the puck, the quickness. He's got a phenomenal shot. Uh, like, he could definitely be the sniper that, uh, you know, we were hoping to get out of Kako. Um, so I want nothing more than for them to work out. I don't know if it's possible. Um you know, thank you, RP, for because uh, I didn't know. I thought the one-way contract meant he could be sent down. That's what I thought. So thank you for clearing that up. Uh, that gives me a little optimism because if, if that was the case, then it's 100% trade bait. But um, you know, because who's to say he? You know, he needs to play at the AHL level. He needs, if, if only for 10 games, he needs to get acclimated to uh, to the North American style. Um, you know, even Igor was in the AHL for a bit. Um, so he definitely needs that, and hopefully it won't be an issue. Um, so with that contract, that does allow him to go down. You know, he's going to get paid. Good for him. Um, personally, I don't think uh, – I'm sure that was part of the major sticking point to get him over here in the first place, and that's a problem. But in any case, I want nothing more for, the, for the, this guy to have learned his lesson uh, and, and, you know, and, and pan out. That remains to be seen. Uh, Drury definitely, you know, as great of an offseason – um, you know, as, as Drury had and, and where we are, yes, we, to, to get back to where we are, uh, you know, and take the next step, he, he needs to have just as big of an offseason, this one, as he did last one. Uh, he's got a lot of work cut out for him. Uh, you know, we, we, we like what we've seen so far, one offseason, the trade deadline. Uh, he's filled me with all sorts of confidence. Um, so that's good news, but uh, hopefully he can get it done and, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hopefully having shades of, uh, I hope I'm right on this, but I'm, I'm, I'm getting a 2014, 2015 vibe where 2014 playoff run came out of nowhere. Yes. They made it one step further. Playoff run came out of nowhere, um, got shut down in the finals, uh, and then took the next step. I mean, they did or they didn't, depending on what you want to look at it. Uh, they were the president's trophy winner, um, you know, even with, Hank going down. They were the president's trophy winner, got the one seed. So they surpassed that in the regular season, did get to the conference finals, and then, you know, just died in games five and seven, which I don't understand. They died in game five, came back, scored seven goals in game seven on the road, and then just died again in another shutout. I just didn't understand that. And uh, I'm, I'm putting a lot of that blame on AD. Uh, yes, these guys are grown men and professionals. They don't need they shouldn't need a coach to be throwing garbage cans across the locker room. Uh, that being said, sometimes it needs to happen. And I think, you know, AV had 
zero motivation, zero fires to light under their asses, uh, and that certainly was part of it. Uh, of course, the, you know, a lot of it's on the players, too, for just dragging ass out there for the entire game in Game 7. But, um, you, you know, we, we have a coach now who will light a fire under them if it comes to that. So that's why I'm hopefully getting more of a 2014-2015 vibe here and, you know, obviously with a better playoff result. So, uh, you know, again, it's going to be a very, very exciting. We get the, uh, the draft, and then the draft won't directly impact us towards the to, uh, Stanley Cup hopes next year. But, uh, you know, keep building that prospect system. Um, and then, yeah, free agency is going to be – it's going to be fun. You know, it's so fun – uh, to go into free agency, you know, coming off the playoffs and finally, like, know we're going in as buyers, uh, just like with the trade deadline. Uh, you know, we hadn't had that for five years. So, uh, you know, just uh, I'm so stoked for uh, for July 13th. And that, we'll see what happens. Uh, as for the finals, I got Tampa 100%. Um, you know, people, for some reason, are – I mean, I know the reason as to why, you know, people are overwhelmingly picking Colorado. But, uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, I don't like what I've seen on their blue line and, and goalie. Their goaltending is average at best. Maybe it's a Corey Crawford Chicago thing where I – mean, I, I mean, I think their goaltending is worse than Corey Crawford was. But, um, <laughs> um, I, I, I mean, Tampa has a phenomenal defense. In addition to that just lethal offense, they've got a phenomenal defense. Uh, and then if you get past their defense, oh, by the way, there's the best goalie on the planet waiting for you. So um, that's huge. It's going to be huge in the finals. And, yeah, even though, um, uh, you know, you, even though Colorado blew through uh, an Oilers, that was an Oilers team that we knew was top-heavy as well, um, and they're not playing a top-heavy team this time around, and they're playing a team that's not only not top-heavy, but, uh, again, has the best goalie on the planet, um, and, and, and their offense is absolutely lethal. And, yeah, they may or Maybe getting Braden Point coming back. I see, I, I in seeing that injury, it's just when I saw it, I watched it a bunch of times. I'm just like, oh my god, there's a knee is shredded in 17 places. Like he's out for two years. So I, I don't think, and I think that John Cooper, and I got to give John Cooper credit for this when he was saying like on the on the, on the game by game basis, like uh, you know Braden Point's out tonight. You know, he refused to say anything for, uh, more than that, and then they, they actually put him on the ice uh, in some kind of skate one day before saying, like, right at 7 o'clock that he was out. Like, I, that, that's all mind games because I didn't think there was any chance of him coming back in that series based on that injury that I saw. Um, so give John Cooper credit. He was playing a chess game, a uh, mind game. Maybe maybe Gallant had to, you know, make adjustments in his lineup in anticipation of him. Who knows? Whatever. Um, you know, it, it's all mind games and, and, um, and a chess match. Uh, uh, so, you know, credit to him um maybe it worked and maybe it did something to affect the outcome maybe it didn't who knows but um you know for all of these reasons uh i'm i'm going with tampa um you know they're the two-time defending stanley cup champions until they're not and they're still uh, you know they have not been beaten i was trying to figure out a, a clever way to say that but uh yeah they're still the two-time defending uh champions and i i, I think I think Colorado's just top-heaviness uh, is going to cost them the same way it costs Florida. I think they're going to run into a team finally they can't beat, a team that clearly knows what they're doing at this <laughs> at this stage of the game. Um, 
So, yeah, I think uh, – and I'm actually rooting for them too, believe it or not. I agree. Uh, who was that? I think Glenn who said it um, or, or Carl who said it. Um, you know, I generally hate the team that knocked mine out. Yeah, it took me a while to get uh, over Tampa Bay from 2015, but, you know, taking care of the uh, Islanders' conference threat not once but twice uh, will certainly give you a, a pass in my book. Um, and as for just beating the Rangers, like, I, I just am a fan of history. You know, as an objective sports fan, I'm a fan of history. And a three-peat is history because, you know, it's very, very rare at the hockey level. Um, you know, the Islander is the last one to do it. And, um, okay. You know, okay. It, it, I mean, hell, win, win, win five in a row and, and, and they shut the Islander fans up for good. I mean, as long as it doesn't impact us. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So I'm going Tampa until they prove me otherwise, and uh, to prove to me otherwise, and they haven't. So, and I'm rooting for them. All right, cool. Shout out to Scott, man. RP, we're out of time, but go ahead, fire away, take your time, and do what you got to do, man. On this uh, recapping this uh, season. Uh, this, this is an interview long. Um, I think it was a 100% successful season for the Rangers. It showed a lot of heart and 27 comeback wins in a regular season. You have to be happy with what you're saying overall for the season, even with the disappointment of the Rangers uh, of the Tampa Bay series. Um, I'm going to do it reverse way, Steve. My prediction, as I won in Colorado, until Nathan McKinnon yesterday came out with a comment and said, these are two good teams here. There's no Cinderella team playing in this series. This is a straight good to the Rangers. That really ticked me off. Um, I'm really a big fan of Cooper. And I think Tampa Bay knows how to win these games, so I'm, I'm taking Tampa Bay to win the Cup. <clears throat> uh, thanks for following me on Ranger Proud and following all my writing on Forever Blue Shirts and Empire Sports Media. I'm definitely taking a break after this week. And let me just say to Scott and to Glenn and to Carl and to Steve, what makes this show really good is that you guys are so honest. When the Rangers shit the bed, we say the Rangers shit the bed. There's no sugarcoating it. And that's what I think I hope the fans who listen to the podcast can enjoy because they're going to get honest opinions from all of us. Um, we're really good hockey fans. We're really knowledgeable Ranger fans. Excuse me. So um, I just want to say thank you to, guys, to you guys for all of that. It's been a great run going through the playoffs and a regular season with you guys. And uh, just stay strong and stay positive. we got a good club. And I think we're going to do a really good thing next year. So. Stay strong. I was always be Ranger proud, and I'll talk to you guys real soon. Shouts to RP. Shouts to Glenn Cole, Scott. And um, I, I, I echo those sentiments, RP. Uh, thanks to you, to the guys for coming on this season. Uh, you know, this off season we'll be on every other week, so we'll be back in two weeks, the 28th, probably by then. The Stanley Cup Finals will have been concluded, and we go from there as far as roster by roster not only with our team, but around the league as well, as things develop. And it's going to be a slow off season until it gets to September and we do it all over again. So shout-out to the guys. Uh, uh, definitely um, we'll, we'll be seeing on Ranger Proud on the page and articles down the pike on Forever Blue Shirts and Pirate Sports Media and, of course, the Facebook fan page as well. Here on the Ring Podcast with Ranger Proud, here on the Blue Blue uh, Show. So, all right, guys, enjoy uh, two weeks. If you want to come back on in two weeks, we'll discuss, man. And then, Scott, oh, yeah, Scott, tell anybody that, you know, the, the YouTube Face-Off Hockey Podcast is still going, right? Uh, yes, we will be doing another show tomorrow. I think we're five. We're going to do a short one. I got uh, family obligations in the evening. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we're going to preview the finals. Um do it uh, very similar to what we did here. Do uh, you know a 
farewells to the Rangers. He was actually a Habs fan rooting for the Rangers. Uh, so, we'll, uh, you know, he doesn't like Tampa either. So, uh, we will yeah. talk about that. That is the Hockey cool. Podcast 1 on, uh, on Twitter. Shout-outs to uh, Scott and the gang on there, man. All right, guys. Blue Blue. Song of Wrestle. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Blee blue, 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 blee blue. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.